Center. We're glad to be coming to you, and uh, God bless you. Hey, get ready to worship God together with us. Wherever you're at, maybe clap your hands, uh, get up, move around a little bit, put your coffee down, don't spill it. Let's worship the Lord together in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God.
Show us your glory. 
Hey Joy, well, we've had a busy week with all of the uncertainties and I'm sure it's been kind of crazy for many of you as well. I uh, just wanted to take a moment to fill you in on a couple of decisions that were made over the weekend that affect us quite a bit as a church. Uh, pastor Dom has submitted and we've received his resignation as the creative arts pastor here at Joy. I know that for a lot of you this probably comes as a shock and uh, I apologize for the abruptness of this announcement and this is definitely not the way I would prefer to give you this kind of news, but given the limited options that we have and uh, abilities that we have to communicate uh, and waiting wasn't really an option, this is really the only way that we could do this. Joy, I, I, I apologize. I, I really believe that we made the best decision at the time. and. Uh, but we've also recognized that perhaps this wasn't as good of a fit as we had hoped that it would be and made sense for us all to acknowledge it sooner rather than later. Obviously, it's a very difficult set of circumstances in our world right now, and we're going to do everything that we can to uh, help Pastor Dom and LaShonda as best we can in the coming months. And, uh, of course, we wish them the best. Uh, uh, we know that God's got a great plan for their life, as He does for us here at Joy. And so I'd like to ask you to continue to pray for them as they can continue to pursue uh, the will of God for their lives, as, as well as God's will to be accomplished for us as a church. So, Joy, we love you. Let's seize the day. Good morning, Joy Christian Center. Uh, we are glad that you are here. That has not changed. Or maybe I should say we are glad that we are there. Either way, we're glad we're together today in this new way. And uh, I'm Pastor John. I'm one of the associates here at Joy Christian Center. And uh, we're going to receive our offering today. Uh, we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to pray over it. I encourage you to uh, be prepared when we do services online. Just be prepared. Uh, we'll pray a blessing over the giving. I uh, want to let you know you can give in different ways. Uh, you can go to www.greatjoy.org and then go under the media tab and give. And you can give that way. It's safe and secure. Uh, you can text to give. Uh, you text an amount to 320-547-4770. Once you text that amount, if you've never done it, you're going to get one link back that allows you to securely register. And then from then on, it's as simple as texting an amount to Joy uh, or to that same number. Um, the other way that you can give, of course, is just to mail your uh, giving in to the church. We'll make sure we get that. Uh, that said, I just want to encourage you. Let's pray and let's just believe God for a blessing. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are good and everything good comes from you. And Father, we, t we bring these offerings and these tithes to you. We thank you that you watch over them, that your hand is upon them, that Father, once we put them into your kingdom, they're yours. And Father, they'll, they'll be used to reach our world, which begins right here in central Minnesota. Uh, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. A um, couple of announcements today before we get into the word. Uh, you know the governor has obviously issued some new stay-at-home guidelines. Uh, in accordance with that, our, our offices here at the church uh, will be closed. Uh, there will be some staff coming in at different times, uh, kind of a skeleton crew, if you will. Um, but we wanted to let you know we're still available. If you need to reach us, um, you, can, you can email us, you can call us. Uh, if you know of any needs, if someone out there is thirsty, if you're thirsty, share that with us, okay? Because that will get to the right people. On our website at greatjoy.org slash COVID-19, um, we are putting regular updates. As a matter of fact, if you go there today, you'll already see uh, the contact information, who to email, who to call, how to leave a message. So check that once in a while during the week uh, for some updated information if you want to, and uh, that will get you what you need to know. Um, Last but not least, uh, we just want to encourage you, uh, let's believe God together. Uh, as God is working through this all, um, 
we just want to believe that we'll be back together soon. As a matter of fact, in my heart, uh, I know in others' hearts, uh, we want to believe that we'll be back here, even if it's in the parking lot, for our Resurrection Sunday celebration. Uh, so let's do that together. And you can check our Facebook page, social media. Uh, we'll be posting some things. Pastors, various pastors and ministries will be posting things uh, throughout the next couple weeks. So stay informed that way as well. We love you. God bless you. And let's enjoy the word today. Hey, good morning, Joy Christian Center. Good to see you today. I guess I'm not seeing you. You're seeing me. I really appreciate the uh, ability to uh, come to you this way, and uh, it's not a preferred way of communication, but it is still a way that we can connect and be together, and uh, 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 after last weekend and the drive-in church, so happy and excited, and then it was kind of like, and there we go, we're back to doing services in this way, and, uh, and we understand it's for good reason. We understand that uh, we are doing everything that we can to be good stewards of, of our lives and our community, as well as just following directives and honoring those that are in a authority over us. And so again, good morning, and um, <clears throat> we are in week six of a series that we began uh, that we're calling Seize the Day, and I, I think that for, for me personally, so many things that are so uh, uh, so important for, for where we are as a nation, certainly as a community and as a church, and how can we make the best use of the opportunities that we have? And in Ephesians chapter 5, where we have been taking the thoughts from of seize the day, the Apostle Paul was writing, and he said, be careful to live your life wisely and not foolishly. And that's, again, what we're endeavoring to do every day, particularly in this crisis that we are in. And he says, take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times, that there will be opportunities in the midst of an evil day. And that's really been the theme for me throughout this series as we've been looking at the last seven sayings of Jesus on the cross and the intent was that this series would bring us right up to Easter Sunday. But, but when we read these words, take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. And uh, as I've mentioned several times, for me personally, what stuck out is the, the, the paradox between the two. These are evil days, and yet we're to seize opportunities. And many times it's very difficult for us to put those two thoughts together. How can we seize opportunities when we're in the midst of an evil day, when it seems dark and it seems discouraging? How can we make the best use of the opportunities that God would bring our way? Because he will bring opportunities our way. In Hebrews chapter 12, it gives us an example of how we can live. Talking about Jesus, he said, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. We're to study how he did it, which is, again, what we've been doing. He never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And he's, and he's now there in that place of honor right alongside God. 
And so when you find yourself flagging in faith, and again, the temptation in this day that we're in is to perhaps lose sight of God because of the noise of everything else that's around us. But he said, when you find yourselves flagging in faith, go over that story. And the story he's referencing is what Jesus did on the cross, what Jesus did for us on our behalf as the sacrificial lamb that would take away the sin of the world. Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And so we've been looking at the last seven sayings of Jesus on the cross, and, and, and you have to look at all four Gospels in order to get all seven sayings from them. But these statements, at least to me, these statements aren't just statements. These, these statements are lessons. These statements are things that, that, that we are to learn from us. Really, in a sense, they're, they're actions, action items that we are to forgive others, that we are to you know, take care of one another, that we are to watch out for the needs of others. All of those things that we've talked about in the last uh, six weeks or five weeks. And so uh, last week we used this from John chapter 19, verse 28. It says this, Jesus knew that everything was now finished. And to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, and so a sponge was soaked in it and put on a hyssop branch and held up to his lips. And last week we talked about those words when Jesus said, I'm thirsty, that there was, there was more than just a natural thirst there. There was a, a lesson for us to learn that in our thirst or in our pain and in our discomfort, just like Jesus as we know the story that on Good Friday, suffering the things that he was, leaving us an example that it's okay to sometimes understand that we have weaknesses that we need that we need somebody else to help us with, but that we're also to be aware that when we give water to another person, it's as if we're giving water to Jesus. And, and, and then John goes on from there. And in verse 30, he says this, when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and he dismissed his spirit. Jesus said it is finished, and many times we think this is the last thing that Jesus said from the cross, but, but in reality, it isn't the last thing that he said from the cross. The Gospel of Luke records, and we'll talk about this next week, but the Gospel of Luke records that Jesus said, Father, into my hands I commit my spirit. And so while John is recording that this is the last thing Jesus said, Luke lets us know that while Jesus said it's finished, or John recorded that, there's still more to this story. There's still more... To, to what was to come. And, and, and so the saying that it is finished when it wasn't actually finished is really what the lesson, uh, at least to me, is. It's this idea that when, when Jesus said it's finished, there's still one more statement. There's still something else that was going to be said. And that's the lesson that, that we want to give to you this morning because this idea, this thought of, of sometimes, and I think that for those who were at the cross, those who were there, and, and seeing everything that was about to happen and everything that was going on, they could see, as they say, the handwriting on the wall. And later we see that the disciples were discouraged and they were dejected and, and they couldn't understand. We thought that he was the Messiah. He thought, we thought he was the Son of God and now he's, he's dead. And those words, it is finished, ringing in their ears. And so Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9 says this, in the end... I will turn things around for the people. That's the first part of that verse. In the end, I'll turn things around. In the end, I will turn things around. And my intention in this this morning is not to maybe give you every answer uh, to any of the struggles that you might have or the, the, the whatever's going on in your life. It is to 
perhaps give you some, some confidence and some assurance that in those unknown things, in those unknown, unknown moments, that you can have assurance, maybe not an answer, but that you can have an assurance. And so, again, he says, in the end, I will turn things around. And, and I don't know, sometimes when we consider the word the end, it's the end of the story. It's the end of the road. And we think of its fin- f- the finality of it. Sometimes when it comes to God, the end is nothing more that's, than soil that, that seeds are planted in and something else comes from. It's almost like it's the end of the chapter, but there's more to, more to come. It's, it's the end of the, the, the particular program that you're watching on Netflix, but it's the, it's, it's, there's still some more to come in the series. And, and I think that that's sometimes some things that we have to consider with God because sometimes in our life it looks like something is done or it's finished or it's over, but that's not always the way that it is with God and that God looks at things differently than, than we do. And there's a great story in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Job. Uh, many of you have probably heard of him. Actually, the book of Job is the actual, it's actually the oldest book of the Bible. And uh, the one thing that we know about Job, and I want to just sort of cherry pick a couple of, uh, of thoughts from this, but the one thing that we know about Job is that Job was a very devout man. He was a, he, he was a follower of God. He, he was somebody who was believing, and he was in, in endeavoring to honor God in, in whatever way that he could. And Job comes to an evil day, he, not just an evil day, it was an evil period of his life where nothing went right. In fact, I think that Job possibly could have been the very first country song, a ba- the bad country song, because he, he, he lost his livelihood, he lost his home, he lost his family, uh, his kids, he, he, you know, he lost everything that was important to him in life. The only thing that he had left by the end was, was that you know, his, his wife was still there and, and she had some issues, some problems, and I'm, you know, the demons and all that stuff are working. It's like, hey, should we get the wife too? We got everything else. Let's get him. And I think the devil's like, nah, we'll leave her alone because, you know, uh, it'll be, he's going to have a little bit of fun with her. And, and uh, you know, guys, we should thank God for godly wives. We should thank God for a good wife. And, and uh, his wife was the one that was encouraging while he's sitting in a pile of ashes around him and he's taking pottery and glass and he's scraping the, the sores that were on his body. And she said, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, what kind of an encourager is that? And, that, you know, again, let's thank God for good wives. And so we read in, 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 jo- in Job chapter 30 in verse 20, he says, I cry to you, O God, but you don't answer. I stand before you, but you don't even look. And I think that sometimes we've maybe all felt that. It's like, God, where are you? When, when are you going to? I feel like I'm just shouting and there's nothing out there. And I don't know if you're responding or not. And so then as we progress a couple of chapters, God answers Job. And in Job chapter 38, we read these words, then the Lord answered Job from a whirlwind, other translations say from a storm, and, and um, I don't know, I don't know if you've ever thought this, what would it be like to be God? Uh, there was a movie several years ago, Bruce Almighty, and um, you know, he thought that he could do, he, Bruce Almighty thought he could do the job of God better than God could, and so God gave him that opportunity, and I think a lot of times we think, God, if, if we were God, we'd do things differently. We'd know the plan. We, we understand, and we could just do it so much simpler, and, and, and so God shows up, and, and, and if I was God, I think I would show up this way. It's kind of like, yay, God. God shows up in a storm. It's like, here comes God. Verse 2. He says this to Job, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? He's saying, Job, you, you're talking about stuff you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't see the beginning from the end. You, you don't understand those things. And then he goes on and he says, brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? 
tell me if you know so much? What determines its dimensions and, and stretched out the surveying line? Or who did that? And, you know, who knew that God had a, he had a gift for sarcasm? I, I, I'm looking at this. He's like, man, he's just being sarcastic here. And I, I, I think that if you had a sense of humor, you could perhaps get more out of the Bible in this way. But then he goes on in Job chapter 38, verse 18. He says, do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course, you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you're so very experienced. I'm glad I'm not Job at this particular point. Because <laughs> here's Job's response, chapter 40 and verse 3. Then Job replied to the Lord, I'm nothing. <laughs> How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I'm going to zip my lip, not saying another word. And Job ends up where often we find ourselves, Job ends up being humbled, not humiliated, big difference. God doesn't humiliate, but God will humble us from time to time. We end up in a position where we realize we're not as smart as we thought we were. We're not as big and as bad as that we perhaps thought that we were. And, and, and to me, this is where a lot of us are. A lot of the world is right now. We, this world, are, all of us, to a certain degree, we've been humbled. The things that we're so used to doing, the things that we're so used to having, the things that, that we were just so in control of, whether it was our time, whether it was where we could come and go and what we could buy and what we could do and our economic situation, all of those other things, those things are systematically being removed from us in, in a way that brings us to the point, it's like, man, we can't do anything. There, there's nothing about us. And, and so much of the routines and the things that we take for granted have, have been removed from us, the things that we were confidently trusting in. You know, when we did, uh, it's kind of interesting to me last weekend when we did the drive-in church, and and uh, I, honestly, on uh, it would have been March 16th, Monday, um, kind of the idea, the concept, you know, maybe we could do this. And I was thinking, you know, everybody, many people are, are live streaming on a device. They could just come to the parking lot. We could sort of be together, but we wouldn't be together. And then uh, by Wednesday, it was like, we can do this, and thank God for Toby and uh, being able to to. to bring some equipment in that we were able to then broadcast on an FM frequency and everybody obviously could hear it. And, and uh, later on Sunday, I was talking with somebody and a couple of guys and, and a couple of them, one of them were like, you know, I kind of thought that would be sort of a goofy idea. I didn't really know, but we came and actually we really liked it. And the other guy was like, you know, I'll be totally honest. I thought it was really kind of a dumb idea. But as soon as my wife heard about it, she was like, oh, it's so I get to be with my people. And it was just, there was something about being together. And, and I think that sometimes when we get to that point where we're so sure of ourselves, and those things are removed. We're really back to what really matters and what, was re what, what is really important. And so Job comes to this point. He's like, God, I'm not actually as big as I thought I was. I'm not as smart as I thought that I was. And then we read these words in Job chapter 42. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know. <laughs> I know. He's come to a place that he's now convinced about some things. He said, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You asked, who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? He's like, uh, you know what? That's me. I was talking about things that I knew nothing about, things that were too f wonderful for me. He had reached a place of humility. He had been humbled. I've concluded, God, you're way bigger than I am. I've concluded, God, you're power, more powerful than I am. I've concluded that you're wiser than I am. And so he says, 
I, I know these things. I know that I don't know. And for me, I find that there's great peace in that. There's great peace in knowing that there are things that we don't know. And it might maybe seems a little counterintuitive, but think about it like this. When it comes to God, if you could understand everything about God, if you could fit your arms around God, if God fit in you, if God fit in your brain, is that a God you want to really worship? Is that a God that you would really want to, you know, surrender your life and your way to? Or do you want to maybe surrender your life and your way to a God that's bigger than you are? And that's what Job is beginning to realize. He says in verse 4, you said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before. Job says, I'd, I'd heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. And I love that statement. I, I heard about you. There, there was a, a distant knowledge. There was a, a kind of, I heard about this guy. I sort of knew some things, but now I've seen something. There's something that I've experienced. It's kind of up close and personal. And it's those things that Job saw that I think really for you and me, and particularly again in light of, of what Jesus said on the cross, that it's finished. But the lesson was, while he said it's finished, there's still more to come. That sometimes in our lives, we make conclusions or we make assumptions based on us and based on our ability, based on our knowledge, and we fall short because God's bigger than we are, smarter than we are, more powerful than we are, and sometimes we're pretty quick to close the chapter, pretty quick to close the book when God says, is, is trying to let us know that there's more to come. And so what Job saw, I, I heard about you, I knew about you, but now I've seen something. I've had an aha moment, and I think that what Job alluded to and what Job saw really becomes the, the foundation for much of our faith, much of our theology, uh, uh, some things that, that the big concepts of God. And the first thing was that God is all-powerful. Job acknowledged that. He said, God, you can do anything. We, we, call that, that, we call that being omnipotent, that God is the all-powerful God. And we honor that. We get excited about that. Yea, God, you're mighty. You're powerful. There's not, no one like you. There's not anything you can't do. But then sometimes when we're sort of quiet, and maybe when we're going through that evil day and that tough time, we might think, well, God, if you're all powerful, then how come you're not using some of that power for what I need you to use that power for? But asking you about some things, I, I, I want you to, to, to use maybe your, your power on those things. But the truth is, we often don't know. Don't know some things about maybe what God's plan is, what, what God has for us down the road. Maybe we don't know. I, I would go back, if we had a little more time, go back to a couple of weeks ago when, when we did the lesson when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There very could, well, there could very well be some reasons why it seems like God has forsaken you. Maybe God's preparing you for something greater. Maybe it is there, there's an area that you've gotten into disobedience and you've maybe wandered off. But sometimes we just don't know. We just don't know many times. And, and um, you know, I've had people because of our background. We believe God. We believe God for big things. We believe God for miracles. And people would be like, oh, you faith people and you people that, you know, you're just, you know, you're always, it's blind faith and blah, blah, blah. You're just, you know, going to believe and all. I, I, I would ask you what the, what, 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 what is the option when you get to a point that is the most difficult point that you could ever be in? What's the option? Is the option to, to have hope in an all-powerful God or the absolute certainty in a very limited me? What am I going to trust in? What am I going to put my faith in? What am I going to put my hope in? Kind of the dead end that, you know what, it's all about what I can do or the hope that there's an, a, an everlasting and eternal and powerful God. And so 
Job saw that God was this omnipotent, all-powerful being. The second thing he saw, Job said, you asked me some questions, and I realized I didn't know the answer. I couldn't get, I, I, I didn't have the understanding. It was too big for me, too wonderful for me. And that's the second thing is that God's all-knowing. He's, we call it omniscient, that God is all-knowing. He knows the beginning from the end. He sees it all. The problem is you and I are in the middle. We can't really see the beginning. We can't really see the end. We're stuck in the middle again kind of a thing. We're just, we're just right there. And, 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 and many times when we think that we're so smart that we have it all figured out, that we have the perfect plan, only God sees the end of the story. Only God understands. Only God knows those things that, 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 that we can't possibly know. So God is this God that is, that is, that is all-powerful. And I'll be 100% honest with you, I don't always get it. I got questions for God. I don't always understand. I don't always know. I, I can have suspicions and I can have thoughts. I, I know that there are people that are wonderful, wonderful people, and it's like, why do they go through those things? Why doesn't it seem like there's a resolve, why, a, a resolution to the things that they're going through? And when I do that, I put myself in a position that I'm starting to question and I'm starting to think, I'm so smart. I got it figured out, and God, you should be doing something different. Um, one thing I know is for sure, you never need to be afraid to trust an unknown future where we're all living today. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what next week brings. Uh, I know that you're all in this environment that we're in. How do you plan for something a couple of weeks from now even when everything changes all the time? And, and, and we don't need to be afraid to trust our future that is so uncertain to a God that knows everything. And again, I may not have every answer, but I've got an assurance with God. And so the third thing that we understand is Job was, was, was letting us know is that, that, that God is ever-present. He's, he's omnipresent. He's, no matter where you go, God's there. The book of Psalms, Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He's a tested help in times of trouble. In times of trouble. I think sometimes people, Christians, assume that since I'm a Christian, since I believe God and all of those things, that we're never going to have trouble, that we're never going to have a problem, that we're never going to go through an evil day that's not in the Bible. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that there's so many things that are going on that we need God and his presence with us all the time. And I think that this is one of the most, one of the most comforting parts of our theology, that regardless of where we go, God is there. The psalmist went on in verse 2, and, and he said, and so we need not fear even if the world blows up. I have it on my calendar. I put all kinds of red marks on it the day the world went crazy. That was Wednesday, March 11th. I went from 8 o'clock in the morning thinking, you know, this coronavirus thing might be sort of bigger than I'm thinking. To the end of that night, it's like the world changed. The next day, the world changed. The next day, the world changed. Everything kept changing. And that's, you know, two weeks ago, a little more than two weeks ago on Sunday morning. And so he said, again, we don't need to fear even if the world blows up. If the mountains crumble into the sea, let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble. When I know that God's for me. When I know that God is on my side, I can face whatever it is that comes against me, that God is, is with me. And, and I, I love the story. I heard this years ago of an of a elephant walking across one of those old rickety kind of rope bridges, and there was a fly that got on the elephant's back, and that thing was creaking, and it was swinging, and it was swaying, and they got to the other side, and the fly whispered into the elephant's ear, and he said, man, we really made that bridge rock, didn't we? And, and that's sometimes how we are with God. God gets us through things, and we think we really did a lot, and really, it was just God. 
So he's with us, and he sees the end from the beginning, and, and he's smarter, bigger, and badder, and stronger, more powerful than we could ever be, obviously. And so we need to learn to see things the way that he does. And as we sort of finish up this morning, I, I started out saying this, that we don't need to have all the answers, but we need to have some assurances. Because many times we're not going to have all the answers, but we can have all or full assurance. And I use this scripture in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9, in the end, I will turn things around. In the end, I'm going to turn it around. And again, we think of the end as the end, but God says it's a place that we're going to turn around. It becomes a fertile soil of something that God wants to do. And that many times our initial response, like it may have been for those that were at the cross, The initial response is it's over. Our initial response is fear. Our initial response is, is, uh, uh, you know, that there's calamity and we're disappointed, we're discouraged, and all of those other things. But our initial response does not have to be our permanent or final response. God's got a way. Many times what we see as an ending is what's something that God is using as a beginning. It is a, it is a starting over. And, and, and when we think it's over, God is saying, no, it's not over. He, sometimes the end is that it's the end of yourself, your own strength. Because, again, you've been humbled. It's, it's the end of your own uh, uh, you know, ideas, your own wisdom, your own ways. And those are good places to arrive at where we can lay aside ourselves so that we can take up the wisdom and the nature of God. And so I think that sometimes what God is telling us is he's saying, you know, after you're done, after you've had your shot, after you've done whatever it is that you could do and you've taken a swing at it, how about you let me take a swing at it? How about if you surrender your way? How about if you surrender your will? How about if you surrender to me? And trust me that me, who God who sees the beginning from the end, who understands and has a plan and knows what it is that he wants to develop in you and bring you through, that maybe God has something more powerful for you. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 says this, it is for these reasons that I suffer these things nevertheless. I'm in the middle of something, I'm going through something, it's not pleasant, it's an evil day, but he said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed that I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. I love that phrase, God's able. He's able. He's able. In the midst of everything that we're going through as a, as a nation, in our community, in our church, in the midst of all of those things, God is able. And he's able to take those things that we have committed to him, our lives, our way, our time, uh, all of the things that we have committed to him. And God is able to make ways where there doesn't seem to be ways. Praise God. And so, Joy Christian Center, would you just uh, let me pray with you this morning? Our precious Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And Lord, we believe And just as Jesus modeled for us, as Jesus gave us the example that sometimes it looks like things are finished, and sometimes our understanding is is, is so limited, and and our power, our strength fails, but Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the God who sees all, who knows all, who understands all, who has all of these things in his hands, that you're the God who sees the end from the beginning, and you've made a path, you've made a way.
And so, Father, while we at times struggle because we don't have the answers, we don't have the ability, and life and our way and everything else seems so big around us, I thank you that you're bigger. I thank you that you're greater. And, Father, I pray that you visit each and every one of these families. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you and your presence would fill wherever it is that they are at right now. And, Father, I thank you that you will bring peace to them. I thank you that you will continue to sustain and strengthen them. And, Father, we believe in the name of Jesus that this virus and everything associated with it, and uh, uh, we believe that its power is broken once again. I thank you, Heavenly Father, as we agree together that every, every health care provider, every doctor, every nurse, every frontline person, every first responder, I pray that you would give them strength, and I pray that you would be with them. I pray that you would keep them safe. And, Father, we believe that this economy is going to rebound. And, Father, for those that, that are in fear of losing jobs or businesses or whatever it might be, that you, would be, that you would be their peace. I thank you, Father, that you supply every need that they have for abundantly. And we thank you for all of those things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Joy Christian Center, we love you, and uh, we will see you again.